7, verse 54, and we'll be reading through Acts chapter 8, verse 3. I want to ask you to stand, please, at this time. Acts 7, 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. We'll stop right there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and God, we are um, in awe of the courage and the boldness of those who put their very lives on, their, on the line for their faith. We thank you for Stephen, this first martyr. We thank you for how clearly his life contrasted with those religious leaders who sought to destroy him. We pray we would learn from that contrast today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. A little girl once prayed, God, please make all the bad people good, and please make all the good people nice. If you think about that, most of us can understand that because we've all met a lot of good people, religious people, moral people, and yet they are mean as yard dogs, yet they can make life miserable for those around them because there's no mercy, grace, or love involved in their life. Throughout human history, the name of God has been used uh, to abuse, to perpetrate un untold amounts of physical, mental, emotional misery on followers and opponents of religion. Now, any sane person would want to avoid being connected to that type of, of religion. And yet, so often people are sucked in. They, they see similarities. They, they see, well, I don't want to be a part of a dead group. I want to be a part of a, a, a group that's alive, that's got passion, that's doing something. And so I want to join in. And on the surface, these groups can often look very similar to true spirituality. So how are we supposed to really see the difference? How can you and I, and, and, and is, how can we help others as well, uh, children, grandchildren, friends, how can we see what true spirituality is and avoid toxic religion that destroys people? Well, I think there's some questions that we need to ask, and as we ask these questions, we can see a comparison between Stephen, behave, his behavior, and he represents what true Christian spirituality looks like. And those who are of toxic religion, those whose religion abuses, it binds, it cripples. Those who were his judges. 
we need to ask ourselves three questions if we're going to see these warning signs. Number one, we need to ask, what is the source of their passion? You see, if you look at cults, if you look at groups that really bind people and destroy them and, and, and tear them up, they're very passionate. In fact, you'll look at them, oh boy, they're very committed to what they're doing, and they often are. And so it looks like, boy, that they're real true Christians in what they're doing. But the reality is there's a completely different motivation for their passion. These passions of these type of groups, these types of churches, they are made up of the baser emotions. The negative emotions fill their passion. Probably most often, these type of groups are filled with fury or rage. You know, it's easy to use anger to get people excited. It's easy to stir up emotions if you're filled with anger. And under the guise of religion and faith, there are people all over the world that are filled with anger and hate, which is exactly the opposite of what God wants for us. This anger can't be separated from issues of control. Rather than trust in God's control, these people, they have to control the world for God. Their fear, their loss of losing control uh, really blacks out everything else. And so when their control is lost or when their control is threatened, then they lash out. That's what happened with the, uh, with the Jews here, the, the, the council. You see, these people were the establishment religion. They were the ones that controlled the temple. And the temple, as controllers of the temple... They held the key to all of religious life. Because in Jewish life, the temple was key. What did Stephen do that was so bad? Why was it Stephen, rather than one of the apostles, the twelve, that first died for their faith? Now, all the rest of them went on to die for their faith. But why was he the first? What did he do that was so bad? They were all preaching and teaching and, and spreading the gospel. And they had already been fussed at. They had already been brought in and questioned. What made Stephen different? Stephen dared to say that the temple was not the center of true religion, but that Jesus Christ was the center of true religion. He dared to quote the Old Testament that said, this temple made of hands cannot contain the living God. He dared to say that that religion was beyond just the Jewish people, that they were not the controllers, that they were just the, the vessel that God had used to send the Messiah, but that true religion was for all people. Everyone could come to God. You didn't have to convert and become a Jew first. And that infuriated these people because the way they had it worked Everyone was under control, their control. They controlled the temple. They controlled the people. And I'll tell you, when you get involved with, with uh, those toxic religions, those folks, those churches, and those groups that tear people up, you will always see a lot of control involved. And anger is often bound up into it. Self-righteousness is, is another emotion that sometimes surfaces in these groups. We see Saul... Here he was. He was there at the stoning. The Bible doesn't say he participated, but we might say he was an accomplice. Those who stoned Stephen laid the robes there at his feet. He watched over them. And then if you read on into the, the beginning of chapter 8, 
we see Saul begins to go from one place to another trying to destroy the, the church of God. Why did he do this? Well, he explains himself later on. Paul was filled with self-righteousness. Not God's righteousness, but he was filled with trying to make himself better than everybody else and stop everyone else from doing wrong. And he was consumed with his own righteousness. Some are filled with jealousy, and that motivates their ministry. I once knew a pastor who had gone through a bad a time in his life, both in his marriage and his church life, and he got out of ministry for a few years. And when he got back in, though, rather than his driving motivation being, I want to work for Jesus Christ, I want to serve him, and I want to build his kingdom, all of his motivation was, I'll show them. Those people who wrote me off, those people who got rid of me, I'll show them. Well, he didn't stay in ministry long before he was out again. Because that type of motivation does not build God's kingdom. As we move on in Acts next week, we'll see another person who is consumed by jealousy. And, and there's more base emotions that you can imagine, but anger, rage, fury, self-righteousness, jealousy, these type of negative emotions, they're what builds the passion in these toxic religion groups. But on the other hand, true Christianity, the passion comes from a holy boldness. It comes not because someone is angry. It's not because they're trying to control or manipulate or build themselves up. It come, the passion comes from a relationship with Almighty God. And because all they really care about is loving God and serving Him, they're not worried about or afraid of what other people are going to do. And so they are passionate and they are bold because they love Jesus. In Stephen's place, you and I might have been tempted to backpedal. We might have been tempted to say, well, <laughs> this is all a big misunderstanding, you guys. I wasn't really criticizing you guys, that, you know. But Stephen stood before a group of men who held his life in their hands. Or humanly speaking, that was the thought. And he told them exactly how it was. He wasn't going to back down. He wasn't afraid to speak the truth. Just like Nathan, the Old Testament prophet, looked at King David and said, You are the man, reminding him that he was guilty of murder and adultery. Stephen stood before these men and said, You are the ones who put the Holy One of God to death. His motivation wasn't to hurt anybody, to control anybody. It was simply to speak the message that God had given him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing you want to ask when you're evaluating, you're saying, is this group, is this church, is this bunch of people, religious people, are they the real thing? What's the motivation for their passion? Where does it come from, negative emotions or from a love from God? Secondly, we want to ask, what are their non-negotiables? What are the sacred things? What are the things that are the bedrock that they won't let go of in this group? For the for the Sanhedrin, this high court, and for all other groups like them, they have man-made idols that have become the things that they hold on to more than anything else. Anything besides God and his commands, when they become non-negotiable, it becomes an idol. Traditions can become idols. 
The Bible never says that traditions are bad. It never says traditions are evil. But what Jesus said is when you place the traditions of man over the commands of God, then they have become evil. They have become idols. For these rabbis, for these Jewish people in the time, the commentary of the rabbis. You had the Old Testament law, but then you had the commentary where people commented and gave their opinion. They had elevated that commentary, man's opinion, and put it on the level of God's word. And so they couldn't stand what the Christians were doing because it contrasted with the opinion of man that they followed. Places can become idols. Did you know that? Isn't it interesting that the very temple that was designed to be used for God's glory had in fact become an idol? That's what Stephen was trying to get through to them. They had made this place that was supposed to be a place for worship of God. In fact, rather than worshiping God, even though they went through all the acts and all the motions, they were really worshiping the temple. They were really saying, we don't care what God is doing. We don't care that he, that he has done something new in history and that he has brought his son here and that the gospel is spreading. They said, we like the temple system. We like things the way they are. And this place, we want everyone to come here to this place. And so they worshiped the temple. They elevated the temple over God itself, himself. People can become idols. In cult groups, there's that cult of personality that we hear of, where one person or a group of people become revered above all else. Whatever they say goes. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. They're the person you must listen to, you must follow, you must obey. And so then that person becomes an idol. There's many others we could talk about. But anything that becomes non-negotiable other than God himself and his own words, when you place anything else in that position, it becomes an idol. What was the non-negotiable for Stephen? It was a focus on Jesus. For him, all he wanted to do was do what the book of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The Bible says that he was there. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And even as they began closing their ears because they didn't want to hear the truth and rushing forward to stone him, the Bible says he looked into heaven and he saw God the Father seated on the throne and the Son of Man standing. And by the way, that's the only place we see that, really. Usually you always hear about the, the Son of Man, that is Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. But here he is standing. He is standing as he watches his child, Stephen, as he watches this first martyr for the Christian faith, about to give his life for the faith. So the veil between heaven and earth is pulled back and he sees this scene. And he looks and says, I see the Father. I see the Son of Man standing beside him. Well, see, even though something supernatural happened there for him to have that vision, it really wasn't all that different from what Stephen normally did because the pattern of his life was to focus on Jesus. It was just that at that moment, that focus got a little bit stronger and more powerful. And he was able to see him. 
Do we focus on man-made religion, rules, people, places? Or do we focus on Jesus and make that the non-negotiable of our faith? What's the source of their passion? What are their non-negotiables? And third and finally, how do they react toward those who attack? How does the church react? How does a religious leader react when he or she is attacked, when he, is, he or she is accused of doing wrong? Well, we see the example of toxic religion in the Sadducees' response. Whenever Stephen said, he laid out the whole history, and he said, all it's building toward is this, that just like your fathers rejected the prophets, now you have rejected the one they prophesied about. And the response that they should have had was to say, we're broken. The Bible says they were cut to the heart. But did they take that conviction and say, yes, we're wrong? No. The Bible says they closed their ears. They put their hands over their ears so they would not hear anymore. They did not want to listen to the truth. It was complete and total self-absorption. They thought in terms of two things, retaliation and damage control. How can we hurt this guy who has hurt us? He's made claims against us. Let's hurt him back. Let's make it worse. Let's control our reputation and get rid of this guy so he can't spread these things anymore. And Stephen's response was completely different. Rather than self-absorbed, his response was thinking of others. As Jesus commanded, love your enemies. So Stephen... He spoke the truth, even though it was a hurtful truth. He spoke that truth in love. And when they would not listen to that truth, he forgave. Even as the stones were flying, pummeling his body, he stood there bruised and bleeding. And on the verge of death, Stephen said, Lord, do not hold this charge against them. He was, of course, echoing the words of our Savior, who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You and I will all struggle with this, but it is our duty as believers to become more like Jesus, to seek to learn to, re to not rush out in revenge and retaliation, but to forgive There's a lot of bad groups out there that you don't want to be involved in, that you don't want your kids or your friends to be involved in. And thinking through these questions can help a lot. But you may say, well, I, um, I may lose my notes, or I didn't take notes, and I can't remember these questions. And What do I do? The American Banking Association once sponsored a two-week training program to help tellers detect counterfeit bills and that program was unique because during that two weeks they never once uh, gave any lectures about how to detect counterfeit bills they didn't show them examples of counterfeit bills they didn't let them handle and touch counterfeit bills 
All they did for two weeks straight was to handle authentic currency. For two weeks, they were immersed in the real thing, eight hours a day, touching real money. So that when they left that training, they were so confident of the real thing that the moment the fake stuff hit their hands, they would know the difference. If I was to summarize all of this, even though those questions are great, if you say sum it all into one thing, I would say know this. Know God's word. Have a relationship with Jesus that is true and authentic. And when you know what that looks like, then you'll know how to avoid the fake stuff that could damage you or your family or your friends. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know that in today in the name of God and in the name of religion, there are people who oppress and manipulate for money, for power, for other selfish and self-centered reasons. And Father, there are even those that cost lives. Lord, we pray that your gospel, the true and the pure gospel, would be advanced, that we would overcome, that the truth would be known. God, we pray that you would help us to be examples of true Christian spirituality, that we'd have the right motivation as we live out our walk, that we would have the right non-negotiables, those hills that we die on, that it would simply be that we're not going to deny you or your word. And Father, when others come against us, and in our flesh, we are so tempted to lash out and to strike back. Help us to be like Jesus and like Stephen, and that we would forgive those who have wronged us. As we come now, Lord, to this time of commitment, I pray that you'd help each of us to respond to you, to choose to be more like you, to choose the right path. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.